Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Gentlemen, good morning. Let's get started here. Okay. Today's daf in Masechus Gittin is daf Memtes, 49. Okay, we're going to have three sections in today's daf. The first is going to be a conclusion of Abaye's interpretation of the Machlokas, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shmuel, and how that fits in the Mishnah, like we explained Rabbi Shmuel yesterday. The second is going to be Ravina's new interpretation, that our Mishnah fits like Rabbi Akiva, resolving the Tikkun Olam and Da'araisa requirements. And then the third is going to be Marzut Shabrida of Nachman's understanding of when Iksuvas Ish is collected from Ziburs and when not, and we'll have three proofs against that today. Now, we are beginning Memtes Amud Aleph at the fourth line of the page. My time is Rabbi Yishmael. So let's just quickly review where we're holding before we get started here. We had yesterday a Mishnah that told us that there's a Tikkun Ha'olam that if somebody damages someone else and they want to pay with land, they have to pay with Meitav with the best of their land. Okay, it's called Idis. You know, Idis, Beninus, and Ziburis. So, pay with Idis. On the other hand, the Torah says, Mefurash, that it's Daraisa. It says, Meitav Sadeyu, Umeitav Karmo Yeshalim. It says that the best of the field, or the best of the vineyard, he has to pay when it comes to damages. When someone's ox goes and grazes and damages someone else's field, etc. So is it Daraisa or is it Tikkun Olam? So Abaye answered yesterday, actually this is like the opinion of Rabbi Yishmael. <coughs> Rabbi Yishmael's opinion was that Midaraisa, when it talks about paying with Idis, Meitav Sadeu, Meitav Karma Yishalim, you'd pay with the Idis of the Nizak, the best grade land of the damagee, the one who was damaged. And because of Tikkun Olam, the Rabbanon were more machmir, so people would refrain from damaging others, and said, you don't pay with the idis of the nizak, you pay with idis, the best of the mazik, the damager. And our Rikiva argued and said, you always midaraisa, you pay with the idis of the mazik. And we explained what was the point of debate. The point of debate is as follows, and I get this clear because this is important for the rest of the daf. The point of debate was in a scenario where my ox goes and damages someone else's field. The best quality field of the damage G is equivalent to my Ziburis. I don't ever get this, get this, yeah. it's important. The best level field the one who was damaged has is equivalent to my Ziburis, the one who's damaging, the Mazik. Rabbi Yishmoel says on a Dairaisa level, you pay with Idis Denizak, you pay with the Idis of the damage G, which means I should be able to get away with paying him my Ziburis. But they said, you know what's going to keep this guy in line and not damaging people? You have to pay now the best of your field, the mazik's field, and therefore you'll have to pay. It's essentially a knas. It's a penalty, so people stay in line and don't damage other people. Now, Rabbi Akiva said, even midairaisa, you have to pay with idis de mazik. Even on the Torah level, you have to pay with idis de mazik. So he doesn't even say it's tikkun olam. But that was how we, Rabbi Ababai explained the Mishnah. It's like Rabbi Shmuel, and it says tikkun olam because tikkun olam was on top of the dairaisa where you'd pay with idis de nizak. You actually have to pay with idis de mazik. In such a scenario, you end up paying the well, higher grade. We'll get there later today. We'll see. Exactly. So let's see this inside. 
So now the Gemara wants to know, my time at Rabbi Yishmael. It's the fourth line on Mem Tasmodalis. What's the reasoning of Rabbi Yishmael? What was, what's the starting point here? Why is it that on the Dairaisa level, you would pay with the best quality land of the damage, and not the, not the damager? So the Gemara answers in the Emra, because the Torah says, Soda Lemata. It says Soda when it comes to payment. It says, Metav Sadeu, Metav Karmul Yishalim. It says, when it comes to paying for the damage you caused, it uses the word Soda. In Emra, Soda Lemala. And it also says, in terms of damaging, when someone else's animal goes, when someone's animal goes and damages Bistei Acher in someone else's field. So it uses the word Soda in terms of the damaging as well. Just as when it says Sada above by damaging, it says Biste Acher in someone else's field. That's talking about the damagee, not the damager, not the mazik. The Nizak of Sada Amur Lamata, so too when it talks about the form of payment, which idis do you use? The Nizak, you're talking about the idis of the Nizak. So he's a Gezerah Shava, Sada Sada. The first Sada refers to the damagee or damaging in his field. So the payments of the sada that's written below also refers to the idis of the nizak on a daraisa level. Too, right? Yes, yes, yes. Rabbi, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to the other forms of payments later. Yes. Rabbi Akiva, sovereign Rabbi Akiva holds me daraisa, you pay with idis of the mazik. So what's his shita based on? Rabbi Akiva, sovereign metav sadehu yeshalim. He says, read the pasuk straight. Metav sadehu yeshalim. Now who's paying? The best of his field he shall pay. Lachar, the simple shot in the pasuk is yeshalim, the one who's paying. So he says lachar, that's what it means. Daech tekam yeshalim, by the one who's paying. So bepashtas, you look at the pasuk and you say it means it is the mazik. Rabbi Yishmael. So what does Rabbi Yishmael respond to that? Ahani gezer shava ahani kra. He utilizes the gezer shava as we explained that it's idis de nizak, and he also will use that pasuk of meitav sedei yeshalim as we'll explain now. Ahani gezer shava. He Rabbi Yishmael utilizes the gezer shava lechadamon, and like we explained, is that it says sada below, it says it above, just as above, it's referring to the per- person's field you're damaging in. So too, in terms of payments, it's in terms of the nizak's idis. But he also uses the pasuk that says Metav Sadeu Yeshalim. He says because there is a scenario you would pay with Idis Demazik, and this is kind of what Rebbeinu was just asking. There is a case where you would pay with Idis Demazik. So I'll just explain it outside. <coughs> Yishmael is going to say like this: I only say you pay Idis Demizak if your Ziburis is equal to his Idis. But what about a scenario where the Idis of the Nizak of the one who's damaged is better than the Mazik Ziburis, but it's not as good as his Idis? So in such a scenario, you might say, look, the Torah gives a leniency to the mazik and you always only get away with paying you know, the lower quality stuff. So maybe the mazik can get away with paying his ziburis, even though it's not on the level of the idis of the nizak. So therefore the Torah tells us, no, in this case, because your ziburis is not equal to the damages idis, you actually have to end up paying your better quality thing, even though your better quality grade field is better than his, because that's where Metav Sadeo Yishalim kicks in. Ahani Kra, the Pasuk is utilized, Metav Sadeo Yishalim, which implies that you pay the Mazik's idis, the Iisle the Mazik idis viziburis, because in a scenario where the Mazik has idis and ziburis, viziburis the day, but his ziburis, lo shavya ki idis de nizak, it's not on the same level as the idis of the nizak, of the damagee. So this is where the Pasuk says, Metav Sadeu Yishalim, the Mishalim Levi Metav, he has to pay his idis, you can't, you can't rip him off, you have to pay him with your idis now, based on Metav Sadeu Yishalim. Okay, now, in the Brisa, that we quoted above, where we had this machlokis, we had two shitas, Rabbi Yishmo and Rabbi Akiva. Like we just we just explained the machlokis according to Abaye, and now like this, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yishmo again said that the Torah requires you to pay it is the nizak. 
on a Daraisa level. Rabbi Akiva said, that the Torah only requires you to pay from Idis, which means we interpreted that to mean, and therefore you pay with Idis de Mazik because that's the natural reading of the Pasuk. And then he finished off his words and he said, as we'll see right now, Rabbi Akiva Omer, quoting the Brisa, Rabbi Akiva says, the Pasuk Metav Sadeo Yeshalim requires you to pay from Idis, which is Idis de Mazik, of the Mazik. Now these words are very cryptic, and certainly regarding hektish. Now we have to figure out what does kalvachaymer lahektish mean. He says when you damage someone else, you pay with the idis of the mazik of the damager, and certainly regarding hektish. Now the simple pshat would be, just as you pay with idis when you damage another person, you also pay with idis when you damage hektish. That'd be the simple pshat. So let's see if that makes sense though. So my kalvachaymer lahektish. What is Rabbi Akiva adding by saying? Kalvachimer for hektish. Or maybe maybe just Meaning not damaging specifically. Not damaging, Good. Yeah. So this is going to be a two, the, yeah. two options. Beautiful. So de hektish. If what happened was Rabbi Kiva saying in a scenario where an ordinary person's ox kills an ox that was owned by hektish, so that's a damage or damages an ox of hektish, and then what he's saying is you have to pay with idis. The problem with that is, is that that's not true. According to the Rabbanan, Shorei the Torah says, when your ox damages Shorei Eyu, the ox of your friend, Hektish is not your friend, and the Rabbanan's opinion therefore is, actually, if your ox damages an ox owned by Hektish, not only do you not pay with Idis, you don't pay at all. So it can't be what Rabbi Akiva is saying is, just as you pay with Idis when you damage your friend, also when you damage, because that's not true, you don't pay Hektish when you damage it. With uh, with anything for that matter, what's that? Ah, oh, so let's see. Let's see. The chor, the implication is not there. Ella, so the Gemara says is, and this is the second option. We're not talking about damages necessarily. We're just talking about debt to hektish. Perhaps what what Rabbi Kiva is saying is, if somebody dedicates, he is going to give a certain amount of money to the temple upkeep to hektish. Fine. Maybe that's what Rabbi Akiva is really saying in the Brisa. The Gizbar, the collective, the collector of... Yeah, no, no damages. He's just adding another point. Is Just as you pay Idis when you damage your friend, you also pay Idis when you dedicate money to Hektish. Okay. But that's not a damage. That's a dedication. Yeah, yeah, it's not damages. Exactly. The problem with that saying that is, in this case, what is the nature of this payment? He's a Balchov. He dedicated himself... He's indebted to Hektish. And we know that the halacha is from our Mishnah, that someone who owes money, he pays with the middle grade land. So why would you pay with Idis? That's what the Mishnah told us. So says the Gemara, therefore, it can't be that's the case where you'd pay Idis to Hektish because you owe them a debt. Matan is beautiful, but who you says you get? Who it's says you pay Idis? Why are you paying? So why would you pay Idis? Yeah, that's beautiful, but but we're saying you're required. What's <coughs> Wonderful. So maybe Rabbi Akiva argues on that. Maybe Rabbi Akiva actually holds that generally people that just owe money because of debts, borrowing that they did, maybe they also have to pay with Idis like Nizakin. And then what Rabbi Akiva is saying here is, so when it's regarding Hektish, you also have to pay your debt with Idis. The problem is, 
but then we could refute the similarity because there's not a similarity between a debt to an individual and a debt to Hekdish. Why? Because Igal Mifrach, we could say there's a distinction. Malabalchov, maybe in general, a Balchov you'd pay with Idis. Again, under this assumption, this is not true, but under this assumption, maybe there you'd pay a regular person a Balchov <coughs> would pay with Hekdish. Uh, because in regards to damages, he has a strength. If I damage somebody, I have to pay him, and not only pay him with idis as well. As opposed to regarding hektish, regarding hektish, we just said the Rabbanan say, if my ox damages an ox of hektish, I don't have to pay them at all. So maybe then the halacha should be regarding debt indebtedness as well. I don't have to pay with idis either. So therefore, that's not a fair assumption either in the words kalvachaymer la hektish. Let's go back to the original assumption. Really what happened was the person's ox gored an ox of hektish, damaging it, and the halacha Rabbi Akiva saying is, you have to pay with idis. That's the halacha. So the Gemara says, but one second, we said that the Rabbanan learn that when your ox damages hektish, you're not responsible at all because it says shore eyu. It's only when I damage my friend's ox, not, not hektish. The Gemara says, yeah, but there is a das yachid who says you're responsible. And not only is there a das yachid who says you're responsible, you're even more responsible than when you damage your friend's ox, which means there's actually going to be a machlokis about this. According to the Rabbanan, if my ox damages hektish, I'm completely, uh, hektish ox, I'm completely exempt. According to Rabbi bin Menasya, who's the Das Yachid who argues in the Rabbanan, not only am I not completely exempt, I have to pay Nezek Shalem even if my ox was still a tam. We know generally there's a distinction if my ox is a tam, a tame ox, or if it's a muad, it's already habitual damager. I pay half and then I pay full. But regarding hektish, Rabbi Shimon of expounds the Pasuk of Shorei Eyu. When do you get away with paying a cheaper amount? That's only where it's Shorei Eyu. But if my ox damages hektish, I have to pay Nezek Shalim from the onset. And the Chumar goes the other way too. Not only... Am I chayef to pay hektish if my ox damages it the full value immediately? But if hektish's ox damages mine, hektish is exempt. So Rabbi Shemim says, the chumrah goes the other way. Rabbi Akiva is following in his sheet. So let's read that inside. Rabbi Akiva Savar, like Rabbi Shemim Benasya, yields like Rabbi Shemim Benasya, the ten Rabbi Shemim Benasya, Omer, Shor shall hektish, Shenagach, Shor shall hedjot, if the ox of hektish damaged, the uh, ox of an individual putter, the hektish is exempt from paying. And the shore of an individual that damaged the ox of hektish, whether it was a uh, tame ox, non-habitual gore, or it was habitual already, it always pays nezek shalim. So now the Gemara says, wait a second. Abaye, you explained the machlokis between Rabbi Yishmon and Rabbi Akiva above was in a scenario where the nizak had idis that's equal to the mazik ziburis. So the machlokis is, can you get away with paying your ziburis, which is equal to his idis, that's Rabbi Yishmoel, or do you have to pay your idis, Rabbi Akiva says, idis the mazik. But once you're telling me, says the Gemara, that Rabbi Akiva argues in a different point as well, that Rabbi Akiva argues and says, I hold like Rabbi Shem regarding hektish, that there's a major chumr that exists regarding hektish, is if my ox damages hektish, I pay full, ox of hektish damages me, I don't pay. Maybe that's the entire point of contention. Maybe everybody holds that when it comes to general damages, the halacha is you pay with idis denizak. That's not a machlokis. And the only machlokis is, do we follow the opinion of the Rabbanan that were lenient regarding damaging hektish, or do we follow the opinion of Shemim which is Rabbi Akiva's opinion that we're machmir when it comes to that. And Rabbi Yishmael sides with the Rabbanan, Rabbi Akiva sides with Shemim Yihachi. Let me just finish. Let me just finish this point. Ihachi, the Gemara says, if that's so, 
How do you know that the machlokis here is when the idis of the nizak is equivalent to the zivuris of the mazik? And Rabbi Yishmael and Rabbi Kiva argue if you pay your zivuris or your idis. Maybe really everybody agrees, even Rabbi Akiva concedes, you pay with the idis of the nizak. And that's not a machlokis. And the only point of debate is regarding your ox damaging an ox of hektish. Rabbi Akiva holds that there's a chumra you're responsible to pay full, and uh, even from the onset. Rabbi Yishmael holds like Rabban, you're putter completely. And then this machlokis has nothing to do with damaging an individual, it's only a machlokis about damaging hektish. So the Gemara says three reasons why that can't be the only point of contention. Imkain, point number one, because my ba kasuv. Rabbi, Yishmo's, Rabbi Akiva's words were, He said, unlike what you're saying in terms of damaging an individual, the Torah is only coming to teach us, which implies that he's arguing on those first words of Rabbi Yishmoel, i.e. Rabbi Yishmoel says you pay edis de nizak, and Rabbi Akiva says edis de mazak. So obviously, they're arguing about that as well. But Odin, furthermore, another point, Rashi explains what that means is, in a scenario... It, because Rabbi Akiva's words are kalvachomer lahektish, it must be he said a chumrah before that. Because you can't make a kalvachomer if you don't have a chumrah that prior exists. So it must be what Rabbi Akiva is saying is, I hold a, a chumrah you pay idis de mazik, unlike you who say you pay idis de nizik, which is a leniency. And on top of that, I add a kalvachomer lahektish. But if you learn they're only arguing about hektish, so then really he holds a leniency, you pay kalv, uh, idis de nizik, and kalvachomer doesn't really work. So therefore, it must be they're arguing initially and then as well in terms of hektish. But Odin, furthermore, we say have a Mephorosh Abraisa, Amar Avashi, turning from Testament Beis, Tanya Behedu was taught Mephorosh Abraisa, Meitav Sadeo, Meitav Karmi Yishalim, it says you pay the best of your land when you damage, Meitav Sadeo Shal Nizik, or Meitav Karmi Shal Nizik, Div Rabbi Yishmael, Clearly, the Bryce says Rabbi Yishmael says you pay the best of the Nizik's property. Rabbi Akiva Amar Meitav Sadeh Shal Mazik, Meitav Karma Shal Mazik. And Rabbi Akiva says clearly of the Mazik, so you see that is also a point of contention. This is the end of the explanation of the Machlokis and how Rabbi Yishmael is the Tana of our Mishnah, according to Abaye. What do you want to say, Rabbi Kalimus? What if the, is it, what if the, if the field of the Mazik isn't equal, those who hold you have to pay from the Edus of the Nizik? That's Rabbi Yishmael. Yeah, 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 the field of the Mazik isn't to that level. His nizik is not to the level of the of the of the nizik field. His property is not his his his, 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 his He has to pay his he has to pay his higher grade. He has to pay his higher grade. Then the mazik but that's not equal to the nizik's higher grade. That, yeah, that's what we learned before. We learned that Rabbi Shmuel holds from Metav Sadeu uh, we learn that the fact that the Torah says there is some implication he has to pay his own highest value is that the, the damage value. he can't get ripped off. Exactly. Even the highest value of the Nizik's higher. Exactly. That, that's exactly right. So that's, I that's always got an, another basic question. The three fields, but it's the idiot you make it an equivalent payment. It has to be an equivalent payment. Yeah, no, no, but I'm saying if, if, if it's an acre of, of idiots with <coughs> two acres of... So you'd of prefer a quarter of an acre in Manhattan okay, than a right. block in Harlem. Okay, that, that, that's yeah, mistum totally how it works. Because we're yeah. it is equivalent value, right. but in terms of production, apparently it's easier to have things more concise, etc. But that's, that's, the, that's the going assumption. Exactly, exactly right. Now let's go on to the second answer. Ravinas is a very a brilliant answer, another explanation of this contradiction. Remember, we have this contradiction. On one hand, our Mishnah says you pay idis, then you pay idis when it comes to damaging, you pay the best quality land, and that's a tikkun olam, which is rabbinic. On the other hand, the Torah says, Meitav Sadeh, Meitav Karmishalim, it's Daraisa. Abai gave his answer. Ravina gives a second answer. 
Ravina says beautiful answer. Ravina Amar, Rabbi Akiva he. Really, our Mishnah could be like Rabbi Akiva. Who says that even at the Oraisa level you pay, it is the Mazik. It's it could be like Rabbi Akiva too. But Rabbi Akiva holds like his student, Rabbi Shimon. Now, Rabbi Shimon has a famous shita in Shas, a famous opinion in Shas, which is Darshina and Taima de Krof. We expound the reasons of the Psukim. Now, Tosfa says we have a very important point about that. We only expound the reasons of the Psukim where there's some sort of a nafkamina. The most classic case of this is the Torah tells us you're not supposed to take as a collateral clothing from an almana. What's the reason? A poor almana. What's the reason for that? Because every day you're going to go give it back to her as she has nothing else to wear, and it's going to cast aspersions against you when you're going into the house of this woman every day and she's not married. So Rabbi Shimon expounds from that. But if she's a wealthy woman, you could. What's the reason? Because Dorish time a decra. He understands the underlying reason. A fascinating idea. So here too, says Rabbi Akiva. says Abravina says Rabbi Akiva is the town of our Mishnah. And when it says tikkun olam, it's not saying this is a rabbinic injunction. What really it's saying is there's a tikkun olam the Torah had in mind by making it. You pay edis demazik. And what's the tikkun olam? It prevents people from damaging. So it's not saying it's rabbinic, which is the normal usage of the word tikkun olam. Rather, it's saying this is the uh, fixing of the world, but really it's Daraisa and Achinami. Let's read that inside. Ravina Amar Laolamas Nisan Rabbi Akiva, really the mention of Rabbi Akiva, Ami Daraisa, Bid Mazik Shaminon, that on a Daraisa level you estimate the Idis based on the Mazik's best land. For Rabbi Shimon, he, but he holds like his student Rabbi Shimon, did Darish Taima de Kra, who expounds the reason of the Pasak, Matamka Amar, and Rabbi and, and the Mishnah, he's saying the reason the Torah teaches us you pay with Idis of the Mazik. Because Matam Anizak and Shamalan Idis, why did the Torah say that when it comes to damages, you have to pay with the highest grade land, because of tikkun olam. It doesn't mean rabbinic. It means to fix up the world, to benefit people. Titania, as the Brisa highlights this. Now we're going to go through the three types of payments, which is nizakin, balchov, and ksubas ish, and explain there's an underlying reason the Torah requires what it does. Titania, as the Brisa says, Why does the Torah say nizakin? You have to pay, if someone damages, he has to pay with his highest quality land, it's a preventative measure. Because of the people that are thieves and because those who are chamsanin. Chamsanin are people who steal property but pay for it. Gazlanim are just people who steal. So because of people, these are apparently included under the category of damages. Because of people who steal. So that a person should rationalize to himself, What benefit do I have in stealing? Tomorrow, what's going to happen? Beisdin's going to go into my property. And they'll take my best property. They're going to come take. It is the mazik, the best property of the damager. And they'll have good reason to rely on this. Because the Torah says, You pay with the best of your property. So therefore, therefore, the Torah says, The Torah says that damagers have to pay with Idis as a preventative measure, as a deterrent, so that people don't go and damage. So this really, is, it's, the, the, the mission is not telling us it's rabbinic. Saraisa, it's just time of the Christ explaining why is it, what's the reason that they made this, that the Torah required this, is so that people don't end up damaging. What do you want to say? Could be. Could be, but you have to watch your animal. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, one of my pet peeves, by the way, dog owners who don't keep their dogs on a leash of some sort. Right. If 
my kid, if I was concerned that my kid was going to go run over and lick somebody, I would keep, meaning I would, I would make sure that kid doesn't right. do that. Right. If you look at your dog as your kid, I don't care what you look at your dog, but it's, it's your responsibility. Your keep your dog near you. It shouldn't be just. It's a law. I had an incident on Purim. Someone's dog jumped on my kid, and my kid's traumatized. Well, like, like I understand you love your dog. That's fine with me. I don't have a problem with that. But just don't let it jump on my. It didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. It's just like not right. It's just not right. Very much crazy. You have to leash your dog in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they got them in the in the strollers. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> in the strollers. They treat the they dog. They walk all over. They go everywhere. Every store. You go into the store. I look in the. You get in an airplane. An airplane because they're all called mental health. Mental health. Mental health uh, but they, uh, but they treat the, the dog better than the children. So when it says um, uh, Meitav, the best and then it of. Says Idis. Yes. It's the same thing. The same thing. It's just the Torah calls it the best of. Right. Idis is the highest grade land. Right. Meaning, I guess, in business, you would call it idis. The Torah calls it metaf, yeah. Let's continue here. Very interesting. So we already explained the tikkun om, which means the reason the Torah would require a damager to pay with idis is a preventative measure so people don't damage. Let's continue. And the b'risa continues. Why did the Torah say that a balchov pays with bainanis, with a middle-grade land? So here we're going to see there was a balance that needed to be striked, as we're about to see. Kedei, in order, I mean, what could happen is like this. A guy looks over at his neighbor and he sees, that guy has a nice house, he has a nice car, he has a nice situation going for him. The Yomers, and he also knows, and he also knows that that guy is struggling financially. So he says to himself like this, So he says, you know, what I could do is I'll lend him money. I know he's going to default on the loan. And then I'll chop the, the land that he has, right. which is a horrible thing to do, by the way. But if you had to pay from idis, this would be something that would, for, for, for people that are indebted, this would be a strategy that could be utilized. Therefore, the Torah says, Therefore, the Torah says that a balchov only pays bananis, so lenders don't take advantage of borrowers. Asks the Gemara, Okay, but if that's true, maybe a Balchov should only pay with Ziburis. Maybe lower it to the lowest grade. So Gemara says, no. That also, you're going to close the door, lock the door in front of borrowers, meaning you're not going to want to lend money. If I know that when I lend money, the only thing I could collect if you default is the cheapest quality or is the worst grade quality, I'm not going to lend. So the balance the Torah struck was, I pay Bainanis. That's that's the balance. Let's continue. We just want to try to finish up here. Let's do the third one now. Why is Xuvas Isha is collected from Ziburis? Now, we said in the mission also this rule. Div Yehuda's opinion was Xuvas Isha is collected from Ziburis, which is the lowest grade land. Rabbi Meir, I remember Banis Meir said, no, this is like a general debt, and you pay from Bainerness. Rabbi Shimon says, what is the reason that Rabbi Meir, which is the, I mean, Rabbi Huda, excuse me, which is the author of our Mishnah, and, and, and Brisa here, why did they say, the Torah say, is collected from Ziburis? The reasoning is as follows, because more than a man wants to be married, a woman wants to be married. Meaning, a woman is more interested in being married more than a man is, and therefore she'll be agreeable to marry even if she knows the ksuva would theoretically only be paid out from Ziburis. Dover Acher, another explanation, we're going to have to explain what this means, but Isha Yotzel Ertzona Veshalol Ertzona, 
A man is divorced whether she's willing or not willing. She could be divorced against her will. A man only can give a get willingly. So the Gemara says, What is that second point adding? So the Gemara answers really, oh, sorry, the Chitema, maybe you'll say, really, the Gemara answers like this. Really, this is a separate point altogether. It means the reason Ksuvas Isha is with Ziburis is because a woman's happy to be married more than a man is, even if she collects Ziburis for Ksuva. This last point of the Brisa, when it says that a uh, man can divorce a woman whether she wants it or not, but not vice versa, it's addressing a different point. Maybe you'll say, just as when a man divorces his wife, the Rabbanon established he has to pay a ksuva. So maybe when she divorces him, now really she can't divorce him, but it means when she creates a scenario that causes him to divorce her, but meaning causes the divorce, so maybe the Rabbanan should establish she has to pay him a ksuva as well. So why not? Tashma, therefore the bride finishes up. A woman goes out willingly or not willingly, meaning she's the vulnerable party in this situation because she's ultimately not in control of the divorce. And the man can only divorce willingly, means he's not forced to divorce. After If he wants, he could withhold the get and delay giving the get. So therefore, she's the vulnerable party. That's why the Rabbanan established a ksuva from him to her and not her to him. So really, it's addressing a separate point. Let me just finish. But the point over here, Ravina's saying is, the ton of our mission is Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva holds on a Daraisa level, you pay with it is Mazik. However, the, the mission is telling us, Tikkun is the time of the Kra. Why did they establish it that way? In order that people don't go around damaging others. Fine. Now we're moving on to the last section of the day, the third point over here, which the Mishnah told us, Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, Ksuvas Isha Beziburis, that a Ksuva of an Isha is paid out with the lowest quality of land. Right? So we just explained actually in the second explanation of our Mishnah in Ravina that the reasoning for that is because a woman is more willing to be married, she'll even be married uh, to accept Ziburis as the ultimate payment if there is a Ksuva. Marzutra, the son of Reb Nachman, qualified this statement. When is it true that Reb Yehuda holds Ksuvas Isha is paid out with Ziburis? It's only if her husband died and she is collecting the Ksuva from the Yisoma, from the orphans, from the estate. But if he divorced her, so he's alive and he's divorcing her, and then she's collecting her ksuva, so bebeinunis. Then Rabbi Yehuda would agree to Rabbi Meir, as we learned earlier, that the husband would have to pay with bebeinunis like a regular debt. This is like a regular balaschov then, and he would have to pay with bebeinunis. Now this is Marzutra's halacha, and we're going to challenge it now with three challenges and resolve them. So first the Gemara says, one second. If you're saying that the only time he would pay with uh, the, the ksuva we paid out with Ziburis is from the Yisomim, so miyatmi, if it's only from the Yisomim, from the orphans, so mayir ksuvas isha. So then the shot in our Mishnah would be that you pay ksuvas isha uh, from Ziburis only when it's collected from the orphans, not from the husband directly. But then what's the uniqueness of ksuvas isha? nami. When it comes to collecting any sort of debt from the Yisomim, anyone who comes to collect money from orphans after their father passed away, the halacha is they collect from Ziburis. So then there's no uniqueness essentially about Ksuvas Isha. Because in our mission, the beginning of the parak, we learned 
The third halacha of our Mishnah, anyone who comes to collect from the orphans only collects from Ziburis. So what's the uniqueness of collecting from Ziburis as a, as a Ksuvas Isha, if anyone who collects from Ksuvas from, from Yisoma collects Ksuvas Isha. So therefore the Gemara challenges Marzotra, it must be, it's talking about from the husband, and even when she collects from the husband, she still collects from Ziburis. So it seems to refute Marzutra. The Gemara resolves this no. Really it's talking about when she collects from the Yisoman. But the Chiddush of our Mishnah is, even though in general it's true that the halacha is people who collect from the Yisoman collect from Ziburis, you might think Suvas Isha is different. And she's, why would it be different? The Ksuvas Isha, it's the It's necessary to say Ksuvas Isha also pays with Ziburis. Because you may have thought to say, because of Chena, now it literally means grace, the Rabbanan were lenient. Now what that means is, maybe the Rabbanan wanted to ensure that the potential husbands would find favor in the women's eyes. So in order to ensure that, they would require that even though general collection from Yisomim, other people would be from Ziburis, maybe when she collects from the Yisom or Ksuva, it would be a higher grade land. So, the Mishnah is emphasizing, no, she is the same as regular collectors, and she also collects from Ziburis. But you don't have a proof then, really could it be, could be she's collecting from them, that's why it's Ziburis, and if she collects from the husband, it would be Bainanis. Amar Ravis, Rav brings a second proof, which is a question against this Pesach. Ultimately, Marzutra is saying that when our Mishnah says, a Alman, a uh, Ksuvas Ish is paid out with Ziburis, it's only when she collects from the estate, from the Yisomim, from the orphans, not from the husband directly in a case of divorce. He'd have to pay with Bainanis, according to Rav Yehuda, like a, like a regular Balaschov. So Rav says, Tashma, let's look now back at the Brises. What did the Brises say? And the Mishnah also. It said, Rabbi Meir Omer Ksuvas Ish So Rabbi Meir argued in the Mishnah and the Brisa, and he said, in general, Ksuvas Ish is paid with Bainanis, with uh, medium quality land, not Ziburis, the lowest quality. So Yomar says, Miman, let's analyze this for a second. This opinion who argues, who was the woman collecting from when she collects Bainanis in this case? If she's collecting from the orphans, so Leslie, the Rameir, Haditzanan, does Rameir not agree with the Mishnah's third clause, which was in Ziburis? That in general you can only collect from the Yasomim from Ziburis. So how could she collect from Bainanis then? It must be Mine. It must be Rameir saying when she collects the Ksuva from the husband after divorce, she can collect from Bainanis. But what would that imply about the one who argues? Michlal, that would imply the Rabbanan, Rabbi Huda, or the Rabbanan who argue and Rameir. Savri the Ziburis. You see, they hold that you can even collect with Ziburis when it's collected from the husband. So you see, Marzutra is wrong. So the says, well, that's not a proof either. Really, it could be that the collection is from the from the Yisomim. But how could Rameir say that you collect from Bainanis then? From the Yisomim, you can only collect Ziburis. The Shani Ksuvas Isha, he differentiates. Because Ksuvas Isha is different when it comes to collecting Ksuvas Isha from the Yisomim, Mishum China, like that reason we mentioned above, in order that women will be more interested in marrying, they should know if there is going to be a Ksuva from the estate, they're not going to get Ziburis like general collectors, but rather they'll get Bainanis. Rameir actually goes with that Svara and he argues in Rabbi Yehuda. So that proof is also refuted. Final proof of the day. Amr Abaye. Abaye says like this. Tashma, let's now look back at the entirety of the first clause of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said as follows. Hanizakin shamulahem be'idis. If somebody damages, he has to pay with idis, the best quality land. Ubalcho be'bainanis. And if somebody owes money, a debt, he pays with be'bainanis, medium quality land. Be'ksuvas isha be'ziburis. And ksuvas isha is paid out with lowest quality land. Now, Miman, 
the Gemara assumes these are all talking about collecting from the same source or the same uh, place. So Miman, where were these three collections going to occur from? Ilema miyatmi. So maybe you'll say it's from the Yisomim. Now let's just explain what would that mean. That would mean, let's take the case of damaging. That would mean that a fellow went and damaged somebody else and he died. So the nizak, the damagee, is collecting from the Yisomim. Somebody borrowed money from somebody else and he died. The creditor is coming to collect. Or Ksuvasish is collecting from the Yisomim. So if they're collecting from the Yisomim, my area Ksuvasisha, why is it that only Ksuvasisha collects from Ziburis? Afilukol Haninami. All of them would have to collect. Even the 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 damage the damager and the uh, balchov would all have to collect. The damagee and the the creditor would also only be able to collect from ziburis, as the Mishnah told us. When you collect from yisom, you can only collect from ziburis. Helalav mine. So it must be what's happening here is they're collecting from him, who's him, the husband. So what would that mean then? It means a fellow damaged somebody else, he borrowed from somebody else, and he owes his wife Ksuvas Isha. And what do you see? Lachor, you see that Ksuvas still paid out with Ziburis. So says the Gemara, Kasha against Marzutra, because you see that even when he pays directly, because he hadn't died, he divorced her, still the Ksuva is only going to be with a payment of Ziburis. Amr of Achabar Yaakov, Achabar Yaakov refutes this, and he says no. We're going to get into a very creative case over here. Now, there's two things we're going to introduce. First, we'll introduce <coughs> the concept of an arev. An arev is a guarantor. Now, what does a guarantor essentially do? You know, it's, in, in law, meaning yeah. it's, it's uh, I want to take out a loan, yeah. but I don't have good credit, they don't trust yeah. me, etc., but they trust you. So you could sign off on the document and say, if I default on my loan, you'll cover the expenses of the, of the debt. Fine. So Rav Achabar Yaakov is going to say is, the case of our Mishnah is a very unique case. Really, Marzutra is going to be upheld, and really, if she's collecting from the estate, after the husband dies, she'll collect from Ziburis. From the husband himself, she'll collect from Benimus. Fine. But the case of our Mishnah is a unique scenario. The case is where when a husband, a guy married a woman, at the time of the marriage, the guy's father said, I'm going to guarantee the Ksuva. I'll be the Arev to guarantee the Ksuva. That fellow passes away. Now let's say in all three scenarios, he damaged somebody, he owed somebody money, and he had Ksuvas Isha now to pay. In all three scenarios, we're going to say is basically as follows. Since he's guaranteeing, the father of the, of the groom in this case, yeah. guaranteed those debts, what's going to now happen is as follows. The first two types, which is damages and, and uh, creditors that are coming to collect, they could have collected while the son was still alive. So yeah. therefore, he has to pay as if the son was still alive, i.e., Idis, Benonis, etc. The first two. The third, though, Ksuvas Isha, by definition, is only paid out in this case when the husband dies, after death of the husband. Well, after death, who is really the primary person to pay? It's the estate, the Yisoman. So therefore, the father who's filling in can also get away with paying from Ziburis like the estate would have to pay. But Enochanami, in a case when she's collecting from her husband because he divorced her, he'd have to pay with Benanus like Marzutra said. Let's read that inside. Amr of Achabar Yaakov, Achab Maskina, what are we dealing with here? That the father dedicated himself as a guarantor to the damages of his son, or the creditors of his son, or the ksuva of his daughter-in-law. And each one will retain their laws based on the fact of when they could be collected. Since damages, they could the, the one who was damaged and the creditors could have collected while the son was still alive. So that when they collect, they'd have to collect 
based on the scenario, like the sun was still alive. It means as the status was when the sun was alive, i.e. from Idis and Benanis. Ksuvas Isha de la Achar Misa Gavya, but Ksuvas Isha, which by definition here is being collected only after the husband dies, that wasn't something she could collect while her husband was alive. Ula Achar Misa Miman Gavya, and who is she collecting from after death? Miyatmi. Generally, she'd collect from the Yasomim. So even though the father is covering it after the son's death, he is going to pay out the Ksuva, since she theoretically should collect from the Yasomim, just he doesn't have what to pay, the father's going to pay from Ziburis in this case, because that's what the law should really be. Exactly. So he'll pay from Ziburis and not from Benunus. Asks the Gemara, but wait a second. Problem is, we're going to learn later. Tomorrow we'll discuss this more. But when it comes to the laws of a guarantor, regarding Aksuva, we look at it as if he doesn't really dedicate himself. He's sort of just doing a nice thing for them, but someone that guarantees Aksuva doesn't really dedicate himself. We'll see tomorrow why that is. Asks the Gemara, so why is the father responsible altogether over here? So the Gemara answers, Bekablan. Oh, so this is a very unique case. This is not just a regular guarantor. This is a Kablan. Now, what is a Kablan? A Kablan is a unique kind of guarantor. What's that? Like he completely covers other side. So basically what he does, a Kablan does, is he makes the one who's responsible to pay as if he's a shliach of him. Mm-hmm. In this case, as I'd illustrate that is, the father makes the son a shliach in regards to the debt the son is about to do, which means the father takes on so much more of a responsibility. It's not just that he's guaranteeing the money, but it's as if he was the one involved in that transaction from the first place. And therefore, even though it might be true that an Arib doesn't guarantee, doesn't uh, dedicate himself to Ksuva payment, but a Kablan does. Rashi learns is an interesting scenario. The way Rashi lays this out is that the son gave certain items to the woman while they were married and said, if I die or we divorce, this is what you can collect from. She gave that to her father-in-law, and he took responsibility, a full responsibility. And then he said, give these items back to my son. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that the father-in-law took over basically full responsibility and made his son like a shliach in regards to the debts the son incurred. Mm -hmm. And therefore, he would be responsible to cover these suva, etc., that happen after the passing of his son. Gemara says, wait a second. This works out according to the opinion we'll see tomorrow that a kablan even if at the time of the borrowing, the borrower doesn't have any money, he would still guarantee himself, he would still guarantee that money. So there is an opinion we'll see tomorrow that even if the borrower has no money at the time of borrowing, still the kablan would accept responsibility. Shapir, that makes sense here. We're assuming the son has no money, because if he did, they would collect from his estate and not from the father. According to the opinion who says that the Kablan only guarantees himself to pay if the borrower has money at the time of the borrowing, so and if not, he does not guarantee himself to cover the loan. So Michael Lemaymar. We're assuming over here the son doesn't have any money. So if he doesn't have money and he didn't have at the time of the borrowing, or Ksuvas Ishim at the time of the marriage, why is the father responsible? So the more answer is two terutsin. Either it could be really the son had properties at the time of the marriage, but they got ruined. So the father who was a Kablan already guaranteed himself, and that is a guarantee that would make him responsible upon the passing of the son. Alternatively, and whenever it comes to a person's son, even though generally the law might be you don't guarantee that type of a loan because the borrower didn't have anything at that time, so you're not investing yourself, regarding your son, you will invest yourself. You will dedicate yourself. And since you will dedicate yourself, in this case, the father becomes responsible. Okay, we're going to stop here.
at the bottom of Tesma um, base. We're going to discuss tomorrow these halachas of Kablan and Arev in much more detail, Be'ezer Hashem. Okay.